Sandal Summer. Man, I'm excited to share with you guys today. Um, been thinking about some sandal purchases Melinda and I made recently. When we're going to Thailand, we're trying to figure out what do we wear. And our missionaries said, you really need sandals. Sandals are what is going to make your life way better. So I have uh, a spiritual gift that is not mentioned in the Bible, but I think it is one. It's uh, one of the few, but it's choosing shoes for my wife. I'm pretty good at going to the store and within 15 minutes, I can make a shoe selection. I got this gift after spending probably an hour and a half one time looking at all kinds of shoes and I thought, I can help. It's a spiritual gift. So, so Melinda, actually, she would agree. My, my um, selection really comes down to this. It comes down to, uh, I just really believe shoes need to be comfortable. So she'll tell me basically what she looks for and I find the comfortable version of that and we're both happy because otherwise in the past, we'd buy all these great shoes and she'd say, well, they're just not comfortable. You know, I, so when you're thinking about buying your sandals for our sandal summer series, make sure you get them comfortable. Um, but one of the things you'd also notice in my house is that I'm not a big shoe fan, actually. So if you come to my house unannounced, and if I'm in the backyard right now, we got the little kiddie pool set up, and, and, um, and if you knock on the door, the first thing Melinda's going to say to me is she's going to say, before you answer the door, get your socks on. And she doesn't care. I could be shirtless Trent, no problem. Sockless Trent, that's a big issue. So she just, she, um, she loves every part of me except for my feet. I don't quite understand her aversion to feet, but, and then she loves her feet rubbed. I don't understand that. This is my therapy session. Thanks for, uh, thanks for helping me out here. But I want to look today at what does it take to have beautiful feet, what does it take to have beautiful feet? Because I want that for Melinda, for my life. Uh, but, but what does it take? And it's way different than having pedicures. It's way different than trying to get the perfect tattoo on your foot. It's what does it take to really have beautiful feet? Because the Bible tells us what it is. And I'll just tell you the answer right now. Beautiful feet in the Bible, it, it's all about people who bring the message of Jesus to people who don't have that message yet. The Bible calls those kind of messengers, they have beautiful feet, beautiful feet. And so I, my goal for today, I want all of us to have beautiful feet, okay? So let me read passage out of Romans, uh, Romans 10, verses 14 and 15. Paul talks to us here, and he reminds us about what does it look like to have beautiful feet? Because he's saying, how can they, how can people who don't know about Jesus, how can they call on him unless they believe in Jesus, in him? How can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? How can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. See, we buy into a lie where we believe no one wants to talk about spiritual things anymore. So we avoid that subject like the plague. We don't want to bring it up. We're afraid it's going to ruin friendships or even worse than that, we don't have any friends that we can talk to because all of our friends have become, uh, all of our friends are Christians and we've let our friends who aren't Christians kind of go by the wayside. I was reading a, a, a book this past week and it was talking about how, uh, who was that? I'm trying to find the guy 
totally out. Uh, Joe Aldrich, he said, after being a Christian for two years, the average Christian no longer has a single significant relationship with a non-believer. That's so sad. I want all of us to be people who have beautiful feet. People who bring the good news to people who don't know about him. But how can we go unless we first of all know people who don't know him? That's our challenge today. That's what we're looking at. In in the Bible, um, you read all kinds of situations where people are sent to go places they never expected to go. See, in our world, um, another book I was reading by Ray Johnston, pastor of a big church in California, he said, he said from research that has been done, he said once a relationship is built, eight out of ten people will attend church if someone with a relationship invites them to church. That kind of blew me away. We think people don't want to hear about God. Well, 90, what is it currently? 90, 96% of Americans say they believe in God. Well, that's a pretty big topic. If you do a Google search right now, almost a billion hits will happen with a search term, God. Everyone's talking about God, but to talk about Jesus, to talk about the Bible, to talk about the life-giving truth, like Pastor Darren talked about last week. That's our, that's our, our place we go to discover what is life really all about. The Bible has stood the test of time, and we get to bring that message to people. So how do we bring good news? How do we bring the message of hope to people around us? I have a couple, three things I'd like to share with you today, and I'd like you to kind of write these down so you can remember them. But the first thing is this. I want us to recognize how good the good news really is. I want us to recognize how good the good news really is. It's so easy for us to almost get to the point watching all the bad news on TV that we think, oh, I'm not going to share the good news. That's just going to make more people feel bad. Because the way that the media relates things, it's almost like people who are talking about Jesus um, are not bringing hope. They're not bringing love. It's, it's like, but that's exactly who we are as a church. We have the opportunity to bring good news, to bring the message of hope and healing and life and salvation in Jesus to a world that desperately needs it. I remember when Melinda and I first were feeling called to this community, to Woodbury. It was in the year 2000. We had zero kids at the time. And we were just driving around thinking about this. And we got off of the Valley Creek Road exit, um, right up there from 494 in Valley Creek. And there's a, there's a, a pharmacy right now where Ciotti's used to be. If you've been ar- around here 16 years, you remember Ciotti's. We went there, we, we, had a, we had a great time at this restaurant, and we began thinking, this really feels like home. This feels like where we're supposed to be. This, we were feeling sent by God to come here, and then all kinds of doubts came in our mind. We thought, I'm a, I'm a guy from Bismarck, North Dakota. It's not really suburban, okay? Melinda's from a farm in Montana, not really suburban. How are we gonna connect with people in Woodbury who are suburban, a really fun suburban place. And, and, and we begin thinking about that and praying about that, and we just couldn't get away from it. We thought, I mean, part of me thought, well, Woodbury's not very dark. I want to go to a place that's really dark. I want to show the light of Christ in a dark area. And I didn't realize that as we go into a community, there's a lot of darkness that we don't even know on the front end. 
I don't know if you've realized that, like the community of Woodbury, um, we have uh, we have the world's largest independent publisher of occult books right here in our city. There's there's some darkness that is here in our city that we want to bring light to. We don't want to be afraid of the dark, but we want to bring light into a dark city. You've heard me talk before about some of the statistics about um, adultery, about you know about how Woodbury is one of the high, was one of the highest user of an internet site where they were hooking up with people who were married who weren't you know finding someone else who wasn't their spouse. We hooked up with and that was one of the biggest users. Woodbury has some hurts. And we want to bring hope. We want to bring healing into a city that has so many wonderful things going for it. We have a Christian mayor. We have amazing city council. We have some awesome people in our community. But there are still pockets of hurt and darkness that we want to bring light to. It's easy for us to think as we drive by all the manicured lawns and the incredible developments that are around here to think, oh, there's not a big need. But there is. And it's not just Woodbury. We represent a huge, huge portion, all the way from Red Wing into Wisconsin, uh, you know, St. Paul. There's a big range of people who come. All of our communities, they may look great and they are great, and yet there's areas where there's hurt that Jesus asks us to be people who bring the gospel through beautiful feet into areas that maybe we've never thought about going before. Because Jesus went into dark places. He often said things like, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. He would go to areas where, where no one else would go. He, in his walk on this planet, he went places that none of us would think about going if we were someone who was righteous like he was. He went places... I, I was reading this week that an average person um, walks about 100,000 miles throughout a lifetime. 100,000 miles. That's like four times around the globe, right? Or, or some who are runners, 200,000 miles. I, I'm definitely more on the 100,000 miles track right now. But, but those are some amazing things about our feet, about how many bones and how intricately made our feet are to bring us places I want to be someone who is all about the great commandment and the great commission. I want to be someone, uh, you know, the great commission, it's all about going and making disciples. I want to be all about that. I want our church to be all about that. I want to be following the, the, the great commandment. I want to be going and I want to uh, be loving Jesus every step of the way with all my heart, mind, and soul. I want to love God with everything I've got. And I want to love my neighbor as myself. Those are just the core things about who we are, about the message that we bring to this hurting world. And it means very simple things. It means things like, like recognizing that where we go and where we walk, I believe God has us walking there on purpose. The coffee shop that you frequent, if you're like me, you frequent way too often, or the gym that you go to, or the office that you find yourself in, or the cubicle, the, you're walking a path that very few people walk. And you have an opportunity to be a light where there's a lot of darkness and you may not even recognize it. I'm praying and I'm hoping that all of us here are not like the statistic where we don't know people who are not followers of Jesus. I don't want us to be two years down the road after saying yes to Jesus to not have any people in our lives who we can't influence for Jesus. Because that's not what Jesus was like. Everywhere that he went, he went places where no one expected him to go. Remember places that he went 
He went places like, like to the tax collector's house. He would hang out with tax collectors who, I mean, don't be thinking IRS. Be thinking, be thinking, be thinking mafia. Be thinking people who are, who are trying to extort money from other people. It was like a really ruthless thing. He hung out with them. He would go places and there would be, there would be prostitutes who would be hanging out where Jesus was. The Pharisees, one of the biggest slams that they made against Jesus was, he's a friend of sinners. He's a friend of sinners. And now, you know, we, growing up, we'd sing oh, these wonderful songs, Jesus, friend of sinners. Oh, you know, that, that was a slam against him. Say, who are, are you following him? And he's a friend of people that, of low life. See, I want to be open to be Jesus' hands and feet. Wherever he asks me to go, I want to go. Now, I don't even think that means for most of us changing the places that we go, but I think it means recognizing the opportunity that we have every place that we go, every circumstance that we find ourselves in, every school class that you're in, every person you, you sit by in school, every person in the lunchroom, every person in, in different situations you find yourself in, when you're going on walks around your neighborhood and you see neighbors, I believe God wants you to bring good news everywhere that you go. Another, see, one of the things that fights against this in our minds, I think of when I was thinking about beautiful feet, because all of us campus pastors, we're all, that's our theme. It's, we're talking about beautiful feet. And I was thinking about, I was thinking about this. I thought, the little kid's song I used to learn growing up, oh, be careful little feet where you go. I won't sing it for you and have you endure that. But many of you, maybe two of you, heard that song when, when you were growing up. But it just, it was almost like, like God was just waiting any wrong step I'd make, any place I'd go, he was going to smite me. And that's not a, at all the message that Jesus has. He wants us to go places that we wouldn't expect. See, Jesus, back in the day, the big social thing was leprosy. He would go and there'd be people who were, who were lepers who had to go around and call unclean, unclean, and, and no, one, no one hung out with them. But what Jesus would do is he would break all the social norms and he would touch even the lepers, the ones who everyone was fearful of because they thought if you touch them, you're going to be unclean as well. Not only did Jesus not become unclean, he made the person with leprosy well. They became clean. Now, I'm not saying that we should not fear sin. We should. Sin is horrible. But I got to tell you this, more important greater than the fear of sin is that Jesus can Jesus wants you to bring the presence of God into situations that you find yourself. I believe the presence of God is far greater than sin. We can go into situations where we could be afraid because sin is there, but I don't think that it means that we're supposed to run necessarily. If it's an area of sin that you struggle with, yeah, you know, I, I know I was talking to a, a pastor of a church and I, it was really crazy. I'm not, I'm not saying we should do this, but he was saying the ladies in his church would minister to strippers. They had a strip club down the street from the church. And so they had a ladies ministry, not a men's ministry, a ladies ministry to help, to bring healing, to bring restoration to these women. But I mean, if you're struggling with those things, don't go where you're struggling, okay? But God wants you to go where he is, has asked you to go to make a difference in the world and don't let someone say, oh, they're a friend of sinners. Oh, 
You can't hang out with that person because they're doing things wrong. Who's gonna go unless we go? Who's gonna be the beautiful feet unless we go to places where people need to hear the message of Jesus? Um, what's your real mission in life? It's not just to make a lot of money and die. It's not just to have a family. It's not just to, the mission that we have in life. Paul talks about it in, in the book of Acts, and it's been adopted by myself as my life mission as well. He said in Acts 20, verse 24, he said, my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. See, do I understand? Do I really realize how good the good news is? Do I really realize that living my life for Jesus is it's the only way to live, it's the best way to live, and it's the only way to die? Do I really believe that in the very core of who I am? See, this message changes eternity, which is way longer than the 70, 80, 90, 100 years that we may live. Our eternal impact that we get to have by sharing the good news is amazing. Someone once asked, well, what's, what's the church all about? What's the church trying to do? And someone said, church, they just, they just meet together for a church. They're not trying to do anything. Or others, they list out all the things that a church is about and they'll list a huge list and usually towards the bottom of the list, they'll put on there, oh yeah, and the church should you know, be a light in a dark world. But it's like one of many things. One thing I love about River Valley, I love our focused mission. The mission of our church. Let me just read it for you in case, in case um, you're wondering what it is. Our mission is to lead people to an authentic, life-changing relationship in Jesus Christ. That's what our mission is. It's so easy to get sidetracked if you don't have that mission in place. That's what we're all about. We're all about the going to do that. That's what we're about. And so when you do that, it helps you to, to keep from getting off in side tangents. Because when you realize that every person matters to God, it impacts how we live. When we realize that every person that we lock eyes with, every person that we rub shoulders with, every person that we see in line with us, God cares about them. It impacts how we live our life. But some people, I, I say a phrase that I hate. I'll just tell you what the phrase is so you don't happen to use it because I'll just, I'll, I'll, I'll get frustrated. Um, a phrase that I hate and I hear it way too often. People would say, well, it is what it is. I hate that phrase. It's like fatalistic. It's like nothing can ever improve. Well, it is what it is. That's exactly the opposite of the message that, the phrase that we use around here quite often. We talk about the best is yet to come. Man, this, that's exactly the opposite of that phrase. Instead of having this fatalistic idea that, well, the world's going down the toilet and it just is what it is. I believe that we've come to this world to bring hope, to bring light, to bring healing, to bring the message of Jesus into our community. That's what he's come to do. That's what he's asked us to do. That's our opportunity. I love, love, love seeing marriages restored. One of my favorite things to do and you may think I'm weird for doing this, but I love, as I'm friends with people on Facebook, 
and they're new to following Jesus, I love watching their Facebook page get transformed. As Jesus begins impacting their life, all of a sudden, you know, people who were a part of every, you know, every group that had, you know, all kinds of like real bad swear words on their friend, you know, group list they're part of, things start dropping it away because all of a sudden they're being filled with the love of Christ instead of the animosity and the hate that they used to bring with them. I love, love watching the transformation that Jesus brings. So first thing, you know, just realize how good the good news is. The second thing is, is I want to challenge you, invest in relationships. Invest in relationships. When people call you at random on your cell phone, first of all, I hate that. I don't know how people even find your cell phone if you don't give it to them. And they're trying to sell you something. I'm not going to buy. You can be trying to sell you know, the best rate on a refinance for my mortgage. I don't know you. I'm not trusting you. Click. It's just not going to happen. I had people who I don't know, you know, they, they try to set you up on a blind date, you know, and it's like, I don't know you. And then they say something like, oh, you'd be such a great person to meet. You guys got to do this. I'll set it up as soon as she gets out of house arrest. And, and then you can, and that's just a bad situation right there. I'm not going to be involved in a relationship where I don't have someone vouching, verifying. We need to build relationship. If someone wants to trust us with the best news in life, Usually they're not going to accept it from a stranger. Sometimes it does happen. Uh, I was at Starbucks the other day uh, meeting with another pastor and a guy came up and gave both of us tracks. I thought, well, cool. God's going to use that. I, I, I mean, we were already Christians, luckily. We're pastors. But I, I'm thinking most of the time, relationship goes even farther than just random things. Okay, Even like what we're doing tomorrow. It's all about building first step of relationship. It's just inviting them to let them know our church exists. They have an invitation to come, but it starts through a conversation that people might have. They may even ask a question, well, what's the church like? Maybe begin a conversation. Our purpose isn't just to lambast people with truth, knocking them over the head and say, you know, you're going to you know, accept this now or you're going to turn or burn or whatever those phrases are. That's not the point. We just want to love people through kindness and compassion and show them that Jesus cares about them. It's an opportunity that we have. One of the things that I've, I've noticed, um, some of you have met Mark and Pam Johnson. Mark and Pam are the care pastors for all the campuses for River Valley. They are amazing, amazing people. And we're privileged to have them. They come join us for staff meetings on Tuesdays. We, uh, we meet for prayer. Our staff meets on Tuesday mornings at Central Park. It's a beautiful place to pray, especially in the winter when the snow's flying, where they're praying. It's really fun. And, and, and so, but, I, but Mark, um, since he's got back from his global team to Argentina, he's not praying like he used to. Instead, all the time he's witnessing it's this amazing thing that's happening. I said, Mark, it's okay. You don't, you, you don't need to pray because I know you're praying as you're sharing Christ. So that's a good. But he just keeps on feeling prompted by the Holy Spirit to start relationships with people at Central Park. And I love it. And all he does, he just simply asks this one question. He'll just say, hey, what's the greatest thing that's ever happened in your life? He'll ask that question. And he'll let him talk. And usually he'll just say, oh, man, that's awesome. And he'll leave it there. And he'll wait until next week. And he'll continue the conversation. He'll build a relationship. And eventually, you know, someone's going to say, well, what was the best thing that happened to you? And then he starts talking about how his life was changed when he found Jesus. I, I just love his conversational relationship building approach to evangelism. And I'm thinking, Mark is someone who has beautiful feet. 
I've never seen his feet, but according to the Bible, Mark has beautiful feet because he understands about taking Jesus everywhere that he goes. And it's so challenging, so encouraging to watch him do that. The Bible tells us in 1 Peter, he says, be ready to speak up and tell anyone who asks why you're living the way that you do, the way that you are, and always with the utmost courtesy. Keep a clear conscience before God so that when people throw mud at you, none of it will stick. They'll end up realizing that they're the ones who need a bath. I just love Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. That's just so good. Let's live life filled with holiness and righteousness. Let's be willing to share with people and when they throw mud, it just doesn't stick because we're following Jesus. See, there are all kinds of ways that we can approach reaching out for Jesus. And I could go through in a list. I have a bunch of them listed in my notes here. But not every approach works in every circumstance. You can have people in the Bible like Peter, they just were loud and they just said it like it was and it's kind of like they just lived life, you know, ready, fire, aim kind of personality. They just went for it and God used them in great ways. That's awesome. You also have people who are followers of Jesus like Paul who are more, who are intellectual, who are able to get together with philosophers and have deep conversations where they would reason together and bring people to Jesus. You had people like the Samaritan woman who Jesus came and and told her everything she had done and yet offered forgiveness. And so she went to the whole town and just invited people to come and see Jesus. I love that means. It's one of the, the best ways to start, I think. It's just, let's invite people to experience what Jesus has done in our life. We may not even have all the intellectual arguments at the tip of our tongue, and we should get there, continue to learn, grow, learn apologetics. Those are great things. But the simplest things that we can do is we can say, this is what Jesus has done in my life. He's changed my life. I love my church. I want you to come with me, experience what God's doing in this church. It's one of the simplest ways that we can invite people into your world. That's the third point. Invite people into your world. The Bible says in Matthew 9, 37, the harvest is plentiful, plentiful, but the workers are few. See, our job is just simply to sow a seed. We're not responsible for the results. I think some of us are so afraid of doing anything because we think if we say anything about Jesus, that someone has to kneel down and accept Jesus right in the spot. You may be one step in a hundred steps of bringing someone closer to understanding the love that Jesus has for them and the change he wants to make in their life. But are you willing to do the one step? Are you willing to cast one more seed? Jesus never stopped, even on the cross. Remember what he did? He was on the cross with two other thieves and he's still throwing more seed out. He's saying, you can be with me today in paradise. He's always just reaching out everywhere he went, even the steps to the cross. He was constantly giving people hope. He was constantly offering forgiveness. He was constantly helping people realize there's a better way than the way that they're going. Because life is too short not to fish. Are you willing to have your feet go where Jesus wants you to go? Are you willing to put 
your reputation on the line even. That when someone says, I'm really hurting, that you'd say a simple phrase. I've never had anyone get mad at me yet. But you could say a simple phrase like, I'm praying for you. And that can open the door. And maybe one step is what it takes. You see God just do some miraculous things. Keep on taking steps. Because we serve a God who has an amazing love that never fails us. An amazing love that this world is desperate for. We talk about love so much. Every song that's on the radio is about love, but it's all about, typically it's a, self, a selfish type love. The kind of love that we're talking about is a love that keeps giving. It's a love that unlike the world's kind of love, it's a love that never fails. To kind of just help us remember this, I want us to come together. Our band's going to come. We're just going to sing a song here to remind us about the powerful love of God. See, because when we serve, when we serve our Jesus, when we bring our feet, our beautiful feet into places where people are expecting us as Christians in the media, we're, we're portrayed as people who are filled with hate and judgmentalism. Instead, the truth is we are people who are filled with love. A love that is never ending. It's a love that you need to step out in. Now, and one more thing. Some have thought, they said, Trent, if, if, I, if I build relationship and I'm using relationship to talk about Jesus, isn't that inauthentic? I'm thinking, no, no, here's the deal. You're just doing it because you love a person. You're just doing it out of who you are. Not because, not because as soon as they say no, they don't want to follow Jesus, you're going to become your old hateful self again, right? No, you keep on loving regardless of someone's response. But I want to challenge us to realize that we have this message that is, is amazing. And if we miss it, people who are in our, in, in our circles of influence, you may be the only one who's able to share the hope and the joy and the love that you found in Jesus because it never fails. Would you stand with me? We're going to close the song.